Hi! So I thought I'd give you a heads up. Usually when you listen to a podcast episode, the intro has a low, sonorous voice. It kind of feels like a drum roll and, and suddenly you're into the podcast and you're like, whoa, okay, it's starting. Also, and this is not always, but a lot of podcasts are Western-based, so they have American accents. Now, my accent is South African, uh, Irish, and half German, so it's not going to be what you expect. But I tell you, sometimes not having expectations can give you amazing surprises. And really, this is what this podcast is all about. We're exploring our understanding of the norm, why we perceive the norm in a specific way, perhaps if that way should be changed, or at least discussed, right? Through conversation, we delve into the framework of our perception of social norms and boundaries. We're going to be focusing on everyone's perspectives, people's understanding of, of what makes the norm. And we hope by having a conversation about it that we can begin to reframe our core values, belief systems, and, and perhaps live in a way that is most true and authentic to ourselves, leaving behind what no longer serves us delving deep into realities that fill us with joy and personal growth. So if you want to learn more, well, just stay tuned. Get yourself a cup of coffee or tea if that's your jam, and we'll be here for a little bit, talking to some really awesome changemakers from around the world. If you like the music in the background, that's my amazing brother, Kieran Thompson. So today we have with us Akemia Deadweiler. And I am just so pleased to have been able to talk to her. It was such a wonderful conversation, truly fulfilling. She has written an amazing book called Single That, dispelling the top 10 myths of single women. And really we talk about everything from the misjudgments and misrepresentations of single women to Nathaniel Hawthorne, um, to just the stereotypes that we place upon people that we don't even know. And I think for International Women's Day, this is a pretty important topic. It focuses on heteronormative experiences. We will be talking about LGBTQIA plus experiences a little bit later in the, the podcast episodes. So I'm not going to talk anymore because I know you're here for Akamia. Let's welcome Akamia to Where the Margin Ends. Hi Akamia, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to have you here today. We're so honored. Um, just so, uh, for anyone who doesn't know you, you have written a critically acclaimed book, um, which is amazing. Oh my God. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I, I read like every page of it and I just loved it all. So yeah, um, yeah my mom actually read it too and she's like, oh my God, yeah, I can't oh, wait wow. for this podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I highly recommend. Essentially, if, I, if I'm right, you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, the book deals with sort of traditional gender roles um, and sort of heteronormative perspectives and, um, and sort of common stereotypes that can, uh, that there can be in the, in the dating world dating, and yeah. um, in single life. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, first, thank you for having me. You know, I'm happy to be on the show. Oh, we but yeah, so single vet dispelling the top 10 myths of the single woman is like you said, it just combats 
the stereotypes that are applied, especially to women when it comes to relationships. I'm sure men deal with some of it as well, but, you know, for women, we're kind of expected to aspire to be wives and mothers, you know, and so when we go against that tradition is kind of viewed as there being some kind of problem or issue there, whereas a lot of times with men, it's like, oh, he's just a bachelor, he's just having fun, you know, yeah, but women, yeah. we can't just, all right, we can't just be having fun, we can't just be single, yeah. there has to be something wrong, so that was the premise behind me writing the book, to kind of dispel all of those negative stereotypes, but I'm so happy you said even your mom read it and enjoyed oh, yeah. it, like, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she she read the first sample and then she was like, no, I have to buy this book. Like, yeah. <laughs> I personally love the the audio version on Audible. It's really awesome. It's just a really oh, nice okay. book to listen to. Listen yeah. to. Sit back oh. with. And, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, what you're saying is there's this uh, double standard really um, mm-hmm. between like man and woman, where like yeah. men are, you know. A, a, it's okay for men to be single and sort of uh, meet lots and lots of women and like have a nice time but when women are single there's almost something wrong with them um yeah 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 it's absolutely a double standard and i think it's an obvious double standard sometimes you know some people may want to pretend that it doesn't exist Mm. but we all we all know it's there it's just like you said in the way that we are perceived like it's okay for men to go out and meet a bunch of women and just have a good time and be single like it's it's he's just having fun and he hasn't yeah. chosen anyone yet but this it's as though as women we don't have that opportunity to choose you know we're supposed to just be with the first person who wants to get married or settle down and that's supposed to be our aim yeah. and if that's okay. not happening then it becomes you know well what's wrong with her why hasn't she been married yet and then when she even if you get married it's okay well when is she going to have children it's always something you know (laughs) as though these are our duties as women and so like you said it becomes something's broken you know yeah 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 and um yeah i mean i think that issue really needs to be addressed and um i mean on, on where the margin ends, we kind of, we really look at um, sort of deconstructing the norm and deconstructing our ideas around the normative and like how we perceive where we are in the world. And so I think your book was, uh, you know, it was just really interesting to me because I think that's a little bit of what you're, you're doing. You're kind of looking at um, life for, as a single woman and saying, well, these norms are kind of a little bit odd, you know? Why Why is it okay for, for men in this gender and not okay for my gender mm-hmm. to, to live the yeah. same way? Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I love that's what you're doing with your show is mm-hmm. trying to, you know, de- deconstruct those norms because a lot of them are harmful, you know? They're, yeah. they're especially when they're negative and they're stereotypical, they're harmful to society, they're harmful to the way that we view women and and it's harmful to the way that often women view ourselves. You know, that yes. really has a large impact, a heavy impact on the self-esteem of women. Huge. When you feel like you're not living up to who you're supposed to be, you know, and you start to believe those negative stereotypes that something is wrong with you and you start to absorb mm-hmm. other people's insecurities and start to feel as though there is you know something broken and that you're doing something wrong yeah. so and it's and yeah and it's with everything it's just the fact that making assumptions about women based solely on their relationship status is what i have the biggest 
issue with yes mm-hmm. it's not even yeah it's not even so much like why is it okay for them and not for me it's the fact that you're making determinations about a woman based on nothing but her relationship status yes. you know yes. and yes. that's a very small part of who she is is too small to make a generalization oh, sure. about mm. her as a person yeah exactly. yeah absolutely I think, I think something that came to me when i was reading it as well and it kind of goes to what you were saying car with the deconstructing of the norms as well is that um, as you said, with self-esteem being so tied to, you know, what we're told about how we feel if we're single or how we feel if we're in a relationship, it really made me feel that whether people are in a relationship or not, it's really valuable and important to understand how society has shaped us. And I think in particular women, as you said, to um, have these feelings about ourselves um, and have these beliefs about ourselves depending on our relationship status. And it's something mm-hmm. that I think even if people are in a relationship, I think it's really important to question that. How much of my self-esteem is tied to the fact that I'm in a relationship? How would I feel uh-huh. if I wasn't, right? That was uh-huh. something I thought was powerful in your book. It embraces that and says, actually, there's some learning there to be done. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I touch on that as well. The premise of it isn't to say, you know, be single and, yeah. and love it. You know, if you don't want to be single and you found someone that you want to partner with, I'm all for that as yeah. well. But yeah. The thing is, like you said, it's about detaching your sense of self-worth from your relationship Mm. status. So whether you're single or in a relationship, you don't feel any differently about yourself. You don't feel better about yourself because you're in a relationship and then worse about yourself Mm. when you're single. But I do think that is very important, even if you are in a relationship, to think about, you know, how much of your self-worth is tied to it. And and are you really happy in that relationship? Is it a healthy relationship or are you just in it? to say that you have someone and sometimes these you know these norms and these standards that have been set can cause us to make those poor choices and to end up in relationships that we're not necessarily happy in because we've been told that that's what we're supposed to do is be in a relationship and be married and be partnered and so we just do it with little regard to whether or not it's what we actually want yeah yeah absolutely yeah no i mean from my personal experience as well i've i've been single and yeah the longer you're single the longer you think oh my god there's like something there must be something wrong with me you know (laughs) yeah what is going on what's wrong yeah yeah absolutely and um i think it's refreshing to have a book that says well actually there's nothing that's wrong with you you know and and here are the reasons you know why that that there's that judgments around it sometimes um so like yeah 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 yeah, because like i said you're making you're starting to feel like something is wrong with you and making you know these negative assumptions about yourself based solely on the fact that you're single it's like never mind that you have a successful business you own a home you travel you're enjoying your life you have all these great things going on and all these wonderful things about yourself that one little piece that you're single can drudge up all of these negative feelings about yourself to where you're like, oh my God, why hasn't anyone, you know, asked me to marry them or why don't I have a significant other? You know, all yes, that yeah. one little part makes you think so negatively about yourself and it overshadows like all of the amazingness about you. And that's my biggest issue with it. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's a powerful, positive message. 100%. Um, I I remember reading in your book, you sort of say that being single is like having the scarlet S on your chest. And um, yeah, that really made me think of Nathaniel Hawthorne's book, um, you know, The Scarlet Letter. Yes. And it 
brought me back to this quote where he, in the book, it says um, that the Scarlet Letter was her passport, Esther Prince, into regions where other women dared not tread. And um, I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, that, that it was almost like a passport for her to explore, you know, different different versions of herself, maybe, and, um, you know, like realities that maybe not everyone else felt that they could afford in the time mm-hmm. that they lived in. So, um, yeah. yeah, my yeah, question, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that, that comparison because, you know, I know in the Scarlet Letter, it was, she was, she had committed adultery, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I know it's a little different, uh, it's a different comparison because it, it can be applied, you know, venturing into this territory that other women dare not tread. You're yeah. daring yes. to be single and feel like you're enough, you know, daring to be single and be content in that status, you know, mm-hmm. just daring to be alone and not feel as though something is wrong with you and not being on the prowl to find a partner to avoid that scenario. You're, you're just, you're learning yourself. You're learning how to be alone and you're enjoying life, you know, as a single woman. And I think that can be territory that not all women are able to venture into, whether it's because of fear or because of what's been instilled in us about who we're supposed to be, what other people may think. I think there are a lot of reasons why women may not venture into that territory, but the one who does, Mm. you do kind of go somewhere that maybe a lot of others haven't been. Yeah, absolutely. And um, even as we were talking about, you know, that you can kind of understand your own sense of self-worth, you know, without like being with someone else. So that like when you are in a relationship, you know it for what it is and um, Mm -hmm. you know its value without making that your value. Exactly. Yes, yes. Because when you're with someone all the time, you know, if you're always surrounded by people, everything that you do is kind of influenced by that person or those people. It's natural, you know, and you do have to compromise a little bit when you're with a partner or even when you're just with friends because it can't just be all about you and what you want to do all the time. Mm. So you do have to, you are influenced by that and you have to compromise and I think that's important. But if we're doing that all the time and we never give ourselves the time and space to be alone and figure out what we like independent of anyone else. I think it becomes very difficult to learn yourself. It's almost impossible. You can't really learn yourself if you don't spend time with yourself because everything that you do, every, the way that you think is all influenced by this person or these people that you're around all the time. So the only way to really learn yourself is to spend some time alone. And I think, in essence, that helps you be a better partner when you are in a relationship because now you come into it whole, knowing who you are, knowing what you want, yes. knowing what you need, and then the next step is to be able to communicate that. Sure, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't want to like give away any like spoilers to your book, um, but you, you sort of dispel some of the common myths. Um, mm. Could you give us an example of some yeah. of the myths that are in your book without, mm-hmm. you know, letting in too much you know <laughs> just That's enough sure. that it's tantalizing of course of course i think one of the big ones is that um is that being a single woman that you're just automatically lonely you know mm. you're profoundly lonely i think that's mm. one of the big myths that i really wanted to address 
because loneliness is a natural human emotion. You know, I know people who are married who sleep next to someone every day and they feel lonely because of, you know, a break in that relationship. So just having a warm body doesn't necessarily make you any less lonely. And yeah, and loneliness, loneliness is natural. It's natural to feel lonely, you know, sometimes, but it's this idea that a single woman is more profoundly lonely than anyone else. Like you can't possibly be content, you know, alone. And it's just assumed Mm. that you must be sitting at home at night, crying into a box of ice cream and watching, you know, low stories and just feeling terrible about your life because you're so lonely. So that's the big one that I wanted to address that you can actually be single and happy and fulfilled and live a full life. Like I said, that's just one part of it. I think most of us, you know, want someone to share our journey with. That's not abnormal to desire to have a partner to go through life with. I think, you know, most of us want that. But when you don't have that, it doesn't mean that you can't still live a fulfilled life. So the idea of a single woman not just automatically being profoundly lonely was one that I really wanted to address because it really speaks to the idea that you can still enjoy your life and live a full life while you're single. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that was a big one. And then um, the idea that a single woman is broken, we've talked about it a little bit, Mm. where where people will be like, okay, well, what's wrong with her? You know, why hasn't she married yet? Why doesn't she have children? what's wrong with her becomes this recurring question. Why are you single? It's like they need some kind of reason to rectify it in their minds as to why, you know, you, you're on this path. Yeah. So the idea of a single woman being broken is another one that I really thought was important to address because that's what kind of feeds those self-esteem issues where you start to feel like something is wrong with me, you yes. know? Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily true. I think that we all have room to grow and things that we can work on within ourselves. And I think that's just generally all human beings. We all have room to grow in areas to work on. And just because you're single doesn't mean that you have you're more you know profoundly damaged in some way than the next person yeah i think in in a lot of ways you're also saying that if you can be single in a healthy way and with a healthy attachment to yourself then Mm -hmm. you might be a lot healthier than someone who's in a toxic relationship absolutely the version of yourself that never got out or never um never had the time to spend Yes, time on yourself yes. too. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah. I think one of my favorite quotes from your book is where you say, it is normal to long for someone with whom to share our life's journey. This is not a sign of weakness, but of humanity. And I think you're, you're totally right. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously the one side where we do really want sometimes to have a relationship or to, to share something with someone. Um, but then there's there's the other side of it where, as you said, sometimes it's also good to be alone and and to mm-hmm. come to a better sense of who you are without someone else. Exactly. Um, it's not always a relationship that has to fill that connection. Yeah. Either. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And but uh, I, I put that in there intentionally because I want to. I always want to remain objective. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the book isn't about trying to encourage everyone to be single. I'm yeah. not saying, you know, relationships are bad, you know, yeah. single. <laughs> so it's important that I put that in there to, you know, touch on both sides. Yeah, it's natural mm-hmm. to want to crave partnership and like I said to share your experiences want to share your experiences and your journey with someone that's not weakness either you know Mm. you don't I don't want anyone to feel like oh because 
I want someone or I want to be in a relationship, I'm weak. Like, that's not, I don't believe that's true either. Like I said, for me, my biggest point that I want to get across is that your sense of self-worth shouldn't be attached to your relationship status. So that's my biggest thing. I don't want anyone feeling less than or, you know, better than based on an external circumstance such as who you're partnered with. You know, I think it's healthiest for our sense of self and, you know, the way that we feel about all that we are and the way that we feel about our lives to be something that is innate and internal to where having a partner only enhances that, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily attached to that. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Sure. Um, and actually, what you're saying really reminds me of another Nathaniel Hawthorne story, which I've, I've read in the past. I didn't, it wasn't in my notes preparing for this, but it's just kind of <laughs> powerful. I'm kind of thinking this is a great writer. Um, I, I don't know if anyone listening or if you guys know the story the birthmark it's it's a it's a much less talked about one um it's a really powerful story because i think it really succinctly talk discusses how women have to almost be shaped or or allow themselves to be shaped to be sort of liked by a partner Uh, essentially what happens is a in the story like an incredibly beautiful woman marries a scientist um and the scientist is at first in love with her, thinks she's amazing, and then at some point he notices a birthmark on her hand um, and focuses on, on this and he tells her that, um, you know, you're imperfect, you're imperfect. And then wow. he can't stop thinking about it and eventually she can't stop thinking about it. So she stops leaving the house, he stops oh. talking to her and he starts to obsess <laughs> over it until eventually he develops a chemical solution which has something like I think it's a 50-50 chance of killing her and a 50-50 chance of removing oh the birthmark. <laughs> oh my God. And he convinces her to undergo this operation with her. It's with worth her. the risk. <laughs> Apparently it's worth the risk. But it's sort of, I mean, in a way it shapes, it really shows how, if we're in it, what is a toxic relationship in that case, uh-huh. um, or if we're in society and, and we're getting that messaging about our value, whether it's related to our appearance or our relationship status, that ends up, really shaping our decisions in a lot of negative ways and mm. i think that's it really sounds like the opposite of what you're you're saying which is that if you if you let yourself be single or let yourself be in a relationship but have that independence and and that self-value you won't get into those situations where you're with a partner or eventually feel yourself that you have to change because there's something mm-hmm. about you that's not yes okay. Yeah. Yes, I love that. I love that you brought that up. I've, now mm-hmm. I want to read that book. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's really, it's really <laughs> because really good. that's that's exactly how it is, and that's yeah. why it's so. That's why it's so that dangerous for us to connect our sense of self-worth to another person and the way that they feel about us. Mm -hmm. Because like you said in the beginning, he thought she was perfect. You know, he Mm -hmm. was just so in love with her. And then he found this one little imperfection. And now that's that overshadowed all the great things about her, you know, and then eventually it seeped into the way that she felt about herself and the way that she thought about herself. And that's the risk you run when you have your sense of self and your sense of self-worth tied to a relationship is that if that relationship ends or that person doesn't want you or it takes you a little longer to find a partner, you Mm. let, you know, whatever negative impressions that they may have had Mm. or any societal stereotypes, you let that seep into the way that you feel about yourself. 
to where you think, oh, there's something wrong with me or I'm irrevocably broken somehow. And to the point where you you're taking the risk of, you know, dying (laughs) just to remove this imperfection like that. That's powerful. I love that. I'm going to have to read that. Yeah, yeah, me too. (laughs) It does remind me of this um, story from Greek mythology, actually, about like, I, I can't remember his name. It, it's remem- it's memorable, but not in this instant. <laughs> but um, yeah, he he fall like he he never falls in love with any woman, and eventually he creates a sculpt. Uh, what do you call it? A sculpture. Uh, yeah, a sculpture. Yeah. I was thinking sculptor. <laughs> but he creates a sculpture of this idealistic woman, and he falls in love with it so much that he asks uh, one of the goddesses to make it like to bring it to life. Um, mm-hmm. because he's fallen in love with it so much. And I think there is a lot of that in society, yeah. that there's this idea that we have to, as women, be like this perfect love interest. You see it in movies, you mm-hmm. see it in rom-coms, in, in Greek mythology, like thousands of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it does raise the question of why, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that just even, you know, when I'm single and I'm dating, and that's something that I feel as well, it's kind of like when you do meet someone that you're interested in, now you have all this anxiety about <laughs> not messing it up. Yeah. You know, you don't want to turn them off. And you do kind of feel this sense of, you know, needing to be perfect, yeah. you know, yeah. because you don't you don't want to turn them off. So there is this there is this kind of romanticized idea of what a woman is supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know. And then so it's like if you don't have this, this and this and this and this, you're not the ideal woman. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's very much been romanticized by film and you know, romance novels and and all of that, and that just adds to the pressure of a woman. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you you say in your book that women are trained, whether inadvertently or not, to aspire to marriage. Um, Mm. You also say, like, girls are taught that they have to bear children, many growing up believing that this is their reason for being or their duty, and that life is deemed incomplete without this variable. And I thought that was really interesting Mm. because... I mean, if I think about my own personal experience, I grew up with toys that were babies in prams. Um, I, I, I dressed up in princess dresses. I had I watched movies of, you know, the, the prince rescuing the princess. And, and, you know, I even remember this one book that I got given when I was like quite small. And it had um, a ring attached and a veil. And in the book, it, it had a little girl who wanted to marry her teddy bear. And at the end of the book, she marries the teddy bear. It's this lovely, like, cute little book. But, like, you know, it, it really made me, like, think, like, wow, you know? My my entire childhood growing up was, like, these sort of subliminal messages of, you know, that, yeah, get yeah, married, yeah. Yeah. you know, get pregnant, yeah. have children, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of it is subliminal and we don't even think about it. But like you said, if you just take a look at the toys that girls are given in comparison to boys. Yeah. Like you said, we get we got baby dolls and doll houses yeah. and, mm-hmm. and Barbie dolls. And then we needed a Ken doll to yeah. go with the Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> and we got kitchens. You know, I got a kitchen set when I was a little girl Me too. with yeah. pots and pans, you know, and dishes and sure. things. Yeah. It is very, yeah. It is very geared towards, you know, get get married and be a homemaker. And mm. definitely the movies. I think 
Disney was is really big for that with like oh, Cinderella yeah. and Snow White. And yeah. <laughs> I think now they're trying to be more you know socially aware. Yeah. And put out different types of movies. They're getting but there. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. But definitely the majority of their content is where the prince comes in and rescues yeah. the, the woman. Yeah, you know, rescues yeah. the woman from either a horrible existence or just from becoming an old maid who's mm. never married. You know, yes. that's painted as something to be avoided, you know, not being not being married so being single is painted as something to be avoided and if a man swoops in and saves you from yeah, that yeah. he's done you a great service yeah right <laughs> and so i think what it does on the other hand is it does kind of maybe give men this sense of i'm doing you a favor you know mm. when i come in yeah. and i choose you to yeah. be my wife so then if you meet someone who wants to commit to you and you're not interested in them I think sometimes they don't really understand that and they take that as there being something wrong with you because how can you not want me to swoop in and save you like yeah. I'm supposed to do. So yeah. I think it has implications both ways, but definitely, yeah, we're, we're giving we're giving baby dolls when we're three years old, yeah, yeah. so it starts very early. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me of a quote by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Oh, yeah, um, oh me too. <laughs> but she sort of says yeah. that our society teaches a woman at a certain age who is unmarried to see it as a deep personal failure, while a man at a certain age who is unmarried has not quite come around to making his pick. And um, yeah, I, th I think that really rings true that, you know, it's it's seen as this like, I've done you a favor, as you say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that sums it up perfectly. If he's unmarried, it's, oh, I haven't chosen anyone yet, I haven't found the one that I want, but a woman, it's like, when, when he does find you, if he does choose you, you're supposed to accept that. And if you don't, mm. there's something wrong with you. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, like in your own experience, is there a way for us to reconnect with ourselves and understand yes. what it is really we truly want? Too. Yeah, because like, mm. I mean, marriage and pregnancy, I mean, you, you have these like messages from such an early age that by the time you're old enough to actually think independently, I, I kind of wonder if it's actually an independent thought anymore. So mm. like, yeah. yeah, I mean, do you have any advice? <laughs> Yeah, I wonder about that too. Like, are there any independent thoughts? Because we're so yeah. influenced by so many different things, you know, in yeah. society and what we see on television, the songs we listen to and the books we read, we're influenced by so many, what we see in our own families, you know, what your parents did. Yeah. So I think there are so many influences out there. And I wonder that too, like, is is independent thought possible but I think to become more aware of yourself and get more in touch with yourself and your authentic likes dislikes and needs I think the first step is to just be aware mm. so like what we're doing here today just yeah. discussing it out loud and making those connections mm. it makes you more aware oh, so that absolutely. next time next time you are dating someone or if you're in a relationship you're aware and you'll start to think like do I want to be in this relationship you know or, or am I or am I just doing this for appearances yes. you know am yeah. I is this a healthy relationship do I want to be with this person or am I just afraid to be alone mm. so I think the awareness makes you ask those questions of yourself that you need to ask and yeah. then once you get there you can cultivate that sense of knowing yourself by forcing yourself to spend time alone pretty much yeah. so even if you're in a relationship or you're married force yourself you know once a week to go and sit at a coffee shop um, I mean, when the pandemic is over of yeah, course sure. you know, yeah. have to be safe take away but coffee go, <laughs> right 
But if you know you can't sit at a coffee shop, go sit outside and read a book or take a walk. Yeah. Mm. I just think it's important to do things alone and be alone with yourself and be alone with your thoughts to really get to know yourself and get in tune with yourself. Oh, and then when the world does start to open up more, I think it's important to to look forward to those outings. Mm, Don't look yeah. at it as, you know, something you have to do reluctantly. Like learn to love yourself and learn to love spending time with yourself. Yeah. So plan things that you like to do. So if you love, say, going to the movies, plan a day where you're going to go to the movies alone, you know, mm. get you some popcorn and just going to enjoy the movie. And I think once you start to, the more you do that, the more comfortable it will become. And you'll start to enjoy the time that you spend alone. And then that's when you'll really start to learn who you are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really sure. great advice. Mm. Yeah. Um, I read this thing on fem um what was it? it was like reddit r feminism and, yeah, um, sure. <laughs> it made me start thinking and then when i was reading your book the you actually like wrote about it so i was like oh okay i gotta like connect these two dots <laughs> but um a, a woman posted a video on tiktok and she received a compliment saying you know that off topic but you're so pretty so this girl or woman or whoever um, wrote on the post that she was sort of confused. She said, like, is it wrong for a woman to compliment another woman? Um, or just if it's a man, is this woman right or being unreasonable? I'm sure she's right to an extent, but I'm wondering if it's as bad as she's saying it is. And um, Because her reaction was not happy to, to hear yeah yeah pregnant, i mean so, the woman said yeah. was very upset when yeah. when that person said that she was pretty yeah um and you know i mean if i was told i was pretty i'd be like oh you know it's it's kind of nice but like it really does depend yeah. on the context i think it does, yeah. and um yeah i mean in your book you say to be admired only for my appearance is not admiration at all it's objectification mere things display the entirety of their value on the surface we can look at a couch and say it's pretty or a bracelet and think it's cute and have that be all it is. But to reduce the worth of a woman to only what she looks like is not a compliment. And I thought like, oh, wow, that like that like just summed up that like Reddit quote so well. So well. I wish I'd written that instead. But, you know, <laughs> you, can, you can go on to Reddit and, you know, <laughs> just like quote yourself. <laughs> but, the, the, the person that complimented her was a woman or a man? As a woman, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. See, I have, I make a distinction there. Mm. I don't mind compliments. I think the issue comes in when you reduce a woman to a compliment. That's it. Or reduce a woman to her outer appearance. So in that instance, I would ask, did she reduce her to being pretty? Or was it just an observation? Because yeah. I think there is a difference. And I think compliments make most of us feel good. They're flattering. You know, if yeah. I say, oh, your hair looks good today, or I like your sweater. It's flattering. It's flattering. So I don't have anything against compliments, but I can see the content, the context. If she wrote something that was, you know, very serious or very specific, and instead of complimenting her writing, you complimented her appearance. I can maybe see why she took it that way, but I don't, you know, I don't know. And I also leave it up to the woman. Mm, That's the thing. I don't think we should tell women 
when they can and cannot be offended. Yeah, now, it's not yeah. up. Yeah, it's not up to me to decide if something is offensive to you. It's not up to me to tell you how to take something. Yeah. I mm. think we're all entitled to feel the way that we feel about things. And yeah. if the person who gave the compliment didn't mean it that way, that's when they can say that's when they can step in and defend it. Mm. But I don't. I think it's also out of line for us to tell a woman, you know, don't take it that way, or you're overreacting, yeah. or you can't tell her how to feel about that no so but yeah but personally like i do believe there is there's a difference between you know being complimented and being reduced to your appearance Mm -hmm. so yeah in that context if she felt if she took it that way i think she's totally entitled to feel that way you know no one can tell her how to feel but in general i i do think you know you can compliment someone without reducing them yeah to whatever that physical aspect is yeah. yeah so even yeah so even in dating if if i'm dating someone and everything that they talk about and every question that they have pertains to my appearance mm. you know i don't mind if you say oh you look nice tonight you know or, or you're so beautiful you know of course that i'm yeah. human you know that makes me feel good too but mm-hmm. if the entire night is just spent you know talking about my appearance or asking questions about these superficial things or the ex the external aspect of my being it then it does feel like objectification yeah. like you're not yes. interested in all in getting to know me you're not asking any questions about anything other than you know my physical stature or things yes. along those lines mm. that's when it starts to feel like objectification to me yeah 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 absolutely no it's i think really you're totally right because it's it's a hard mm. one it's also you know, it, it does depend on the context and it depends on like, you know, how much it's being said, as you said. So like, it's a it, it's a very kind of difficult sort of social cue where you're like, well, you know, yeah, how much is objectification and how much is not. And I think like, yeah. for me, I, I remember I was, uh, I, I used to play a lot of music and um, at some point, this music producer was like, oh, I want to promote you, blah, blah, blah. And um, he he put one of my music uh, videos on onto YouTube. Or, sorry, no. No, no. Facebook. All these social media sites these days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Keep <laughs> track. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, um, and I was really excited. I was like, oh, my God, yay. But, like, then when I looked at, like, the comments, all I got was, oh, you're so pretty. And for me, that was really disappointing because I think, yeah, yeah I, was, I was sort of like, oh, okay, but that's not really mm-hmm. what I yeah, wanted to hear. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so. yeah. Now, yeah, I can totally understand that. That's why I said, you know, the context is important mm. because it's like you're training, you're interested in the music, you know, and you're posting yeah. it here. Hopefully that people will say like, oh, you play so beautifully and you're so talented. Yeah, that is yeah. what you're going for. But for people to just completely ignore them and say, oh, you're so pretty. I can see how they can be disappointing. <laughs> yeah, That's why. So like with the Reddit thing, you know, if I think you can balance that out by saying, oh, um, you know, this is an aside, but you're very pretty and you're also very talented. I loved mm. this piece. You know, that's kind of, exactly. kind of how you yeah. can balance it out. But if you completely ignore a person's work and only comment on their appearance, then I definitely see how that could be offensive. And like you said, a little disappointing because it's like, okay, thanks for telling me I'm pretty, but that wasn't what you were there for. It's the only thing that they had to say, so I think that's understandable, right? Right, right. It would be like for me if someone 
if everyone was just commenting on my writing by saying, oh, you're so pretty. Yeah, I'm like, okay, like, what about what? What? <laughs> what I wrote? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Because yeah. then you start to question, like, okay, well, was it good? Like, <laughs> if no one's, con- if they're yeah. just ignoring that and talking about your looks. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. It sort of, it reminds me of something else you said in the book, which was that, you know, dressing well can be, like, almost seen as a seduction instead of just dressing well. Um, would you also think that that's sort of a, an objectification of sorts or yeah <laughs> I do I do and I think again it ties back to just making these generalizations about a woman because she's single mm. so because she's single you think everything that she does is pertaining to her you know trying to seduce someone or get a partner sure. you yeah. attach that to every all of her actions so if she so if she shows up you know well dressed and you know looking good you think it's because she's here to try and snag a partner yeah yeah so yeah, so it all it goes back to reducing her to just being a single woman, and so everything that she does, you somehow have to connect it to her singleness. So yeah. you think that she's doing that to yeah. try and attract a partner. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so so much for for being on the the podcast. We're just so pleased. Um, <laughs> Thank yeah. you guys for having me. This oh. was a great talk, a great talk. And I'm yeah, happy we have a man here, too, because yes, I think your, your, your perspective is important. You know, I think your perspective is important. And part of it mm-hmm. is about how women feel about themselves, but it is also enlightening others, you know, and men yeah. to to their behavior and to mm. the way that they view women. So it's twofold, and I'm happy you're here. Oh, thank 100%. you. Yeah, we can all really work to deconstruct these things a bit. And yeah. I think it's it's as important really for us to feel good about ourselves as to also understand how we're affecting other people by how we mm. see things and how we act to them. And yeah, absolutely. well, I was, uh, I, was, I was talking to someone recently and they sort of said that like, sometimes people focus on gender inequality as purely like a, a woman's movement. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, while women have been oppressed, in, in it's also sometimes that can almost like create a greater gap between women yeah, and men and, yeah. and a greater mm-hmm. divide. So like it's it's important mm-hmm. to like not like, yeah, not have that separation, yeah. but actually talk yeah, about not it together. Cut it, yeah, yeah, not cut it off or have, like you said, not have that separation because, yeah, a lot of it is about how we view ourselves and how we present ourselves. But mm-hmm. also we need the other side to stop viewing us that way. 100%. So it's, it's, it's definitely important important to have I think all sides is part of the conversation yeah, yeah definitely absolutely. Uh, so there's really there's one sort of question we like to sort of ask everyone afterwards okay. but if you were to do something today or tomorrow or the next day um, in, in terms of the topic that we were sort of discussing today what what would it be what would you do <laughs> <laughs> Is this like a how would you change the world type of question? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's an interesting question. And I feel like things like this sometimes feel so big. You know, it feels so much bigger than you that you're not sure how to go about changing it. But I think conversations like this are a part of it and a great start. But if I were to do one thing tomorrow to contribute to this, I would like to just... I would just like to maybe have a talk with 
millions of people and just hit them all at one time yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with, with these you know with these myths that we've created in the way that we maybe even subconsciously view single women mm. because i think that's the that's the largest part of it is just generating awareness so if i were yeah. to do something tomorrow i would somehow schedule a talk with millions of people you can see and just hit them all every at city. once <laughs> Yeah, giant TV. Yeah, copy a dead one. Yeah, fix yeah. the world. Yeah, all exactly. on one side. Yeah, yeah. amazing. So we'll, we'll be releasing this, so we yeah, can, that's yeah. a story. Um, yeah, yeah. Perhaps down the line, maybe we can have you again. This has been such a pleasure. We, we of course, really love that. So here is a little bit of shameless advertising. If you want to find out more about our project, you can go to wherethemarginends.blog. Wherethemarginends.blog. And also, I mean, our podcast, you've already found, clearly, because you're listening to it. And if you'd like to know more about Akamia, she has a wonderful website called akamiadeadweiler.com. Her book can be found on Audible and also on all the Amazons, I think. So, thank you so much for listening. And yeah, please let us know if there's anyone you ever want to hear about or any conversation in particular that you'd just love to know more about. Just, you know, give us a comment or send us an email, anything you'd like. We're, we're here for you. Also, last but not least, the wonderful music you're hearing in the background. That's by Kieran Thompson. I highly recommend you go check him out. <laughs>